Hello and welcome to the Why I Knit podcast. My name is Dr. Mia Hobbs and I'm a clinical psychologist who is passionate about knitting and its benefits for our mental health. Each week on the podcast, I interview a different knitter about why they knit and how it benefits their mental health. This week on the podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Ellen Coy. Ellen is a tech editor and occasional designer who identifies as queer and neurodivergent. Hi, Ellen. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So I always start with asking where your story with knitting began. So where did you start? Yeah, so my knitting began uh, with my grandmother, um, or Mima, as I called her. Uh, She knits for everyone. It was very much a love language for her. Um, And I was probably seven or eight when I first learned um, from her, like learning the basic stitches. And um, at that point, it was making Barbie scarves. Okay. So I would just, you know, like have my mom or my grandma would cast on like four stitches and I would just do the knit stitch and then add fringe and and make scarves. That's a good idea Uh, to get something done quickly before you lose your motivation. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I was the kid that had Barbies and I did their hair and I changed their clothes, but I didn't like ever make up stories about them or anything. So I would... I would do all of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And just, you know, like I was a very crafty kid. Um, so knitting, I would do latch hook. I would, you know, any, any friendship bracelets, anything like that I could get my hands on. Um, and then, yeah, just always kind of came back to it throughout my life. Okay. So have you had long, long periods where you didn't knit or was it always been kind of fairly constant? Up until, um, like 2016 was when I like really came back to it in my early thirties, like where that's like where it's become like constant since, um, before that it would be just kind of like off and on, but never like a long period. I, um, really taught myself like more complicated things just by buying a magazine and reading the instructions for new stitches. And like, before I understood gauge or anything, if somebody in the family was having a baby, I had a, you know, Debbie Bliss baby pattern book and I'd figure out how to make a baby gift. Um, so it was always kind of like, it was more sporadic yeah. before, um, but it was always there. Okay. And what do you think kicked it into a different zone um, in like 2016? Oh, you know, it's, it's funny. It's, um, my partner and I have moved a lot um, since we've been together over the last 14 years, 15 years. I don't know. Um, and we were living in California at the time and um, didn't really have a lot of friends there. And I was kind of having a hard time um, with some illnesses. And there was a yarn store that opened like a block from our apartment and started. And it was before I really knew the local yarn store culture and okay. you know like so they're always kind of like intimidating at first when you're not you know used to it I went from you know just going to like Joe and Fabrics and the big box stores before and started following them on Instagram and we would like walk by and I'd see in the windows and they posted 
um, this was the black squirrel in Berkeley, California. Um, they posted a knit along for Andrea Mowry's find your fade shawl. Yeah. When that came out and I was like, okay, that let's try that. So I went in to pick out the yarn, the shop owner, uh, Chase was super friendly and like they have this iconic wall of just all hand dyed yarn and it's all organized like in rainbow color order and it's just so pretty and I had never got yarn like that before so just from picking out the colors and then just having that like that purpose for it you know like we're doing this as like a group and it was this cool thing and it's really my first experience with like a well-written independent pattern too. Like before I would always just Google, you know, free patterns uh, before that point. So yeah, I mean, from there, it was just um, going to, to knit nights at the shop and meeting different people and just kind of finding this like fun, safe, creative space that if I didn't have to work for the day, I could just walk a block down the road and just sit on the sofa there and knit and, you know, talk to people and just be in this really like happy place. And, um, yeah, I mean, like that was, that was the start of it for me. So it sounds like a really like serendipitous moment that this yarn shop somewhere you were already li living mm -hmm. and potentially having a few struggles and then they just opened on your doorstep and mm -hmm. <laughs> it opened up this new kind of sense of community yeah for you yeah, and I, mean I don't know to what extent you were part of a community knitting wise already like online or anything before that point no not no. really at all okay. yeah it was always a very like isolated craft for me it was like a thing you know that I did on my own um I spent a lot of time in my room like doing quiet things by myself as a kid and yeah. you know like so that was always just a thing that I would pick up like oh I just want to like do something with my hands I like I can't just like sit and watch TV um, without doing something or I'll fall asleep. So um, yeah. So like Same. that was my first, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, was the, it was the first time it felt cool, you know, like other people were doing it. Um, you know, like it was always like, I always, you know, being growing up in the nineties, being the kid that knits was not the cool thing to do and then for the first time like being in that space around other people that just really enjoyed doing that too was it was a really great feeling and mm. knowing that I wasn't the weirdo mm. in that case and <laughs> uh, that it, there was a lot of other people that liked it too that were my age mm. yeah and when you said you were a crafty kid, um, you it sounds like tr tried, I guess, like lots of us do, lots of different crafts. To what extent did you mm -hmm. carry on with any of the others? Or was it knitting that kind of stuck around more than the other things did? Yeah, like knitting, knitting stuck around mostly because I, once I graduated high school, I, it was rare that I stayed in the same apartment for a year or more. Mm -hmm. Um, so when you move a bunch of times, you like, it was knitting was the most portable, you mm -hmm. know, like I could have a roll of knitting needles and then just whatever yarn I needed for the project. Um, so things like, cause I, I quilted at a young age and like, I still have a quilt, like a full size quilt that I made, um, my senior year in high school that I had planned to take to college with me. And 
but all of those things, like I just, I didn't have the space to do that. Like sewing is something like where I want tables just set out all the time to be able to do it. And um, yeah, knitting was just that like easy little, you fit it in a bag, take it with it wherever you're going. And it wasn't as, as big of a, of a thing to, to move around with. Sure. So practicality was a big part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. And are there any other reasons you think you've stuck with knitting in terms of like why you knit now and what it gives you like for your mental well-being or I don't know what else it brings to your life? Yeah, I um, it's. I think knitting specifically because I can crochet too. like I've, you know, like taught myself some of it. But what I've noticed the difference is, is. I'm very like math logic brained person. So for knitting, like being able to visualize or just see or like do the math to know what I'm going to come up with, like as I've advanced my skills is just, it's really nice for me. And also just the, like with a, with a pattern or a project, you know, like every time you get a section done, just that like little, like, cool, I'm done through this part. And then if it, you know, changes or, um it feeds a part of my brain that needs to be fed and it does it in a really um in a really great way and I think from that point like where I really started knitting again and going to um the group I found that um it really helped with anxiety in social situations Mm -hmm. so there were really like a few years where um I my health issues had just gotten pretty poor and that was that was causing like a lot more anxiety. And I just always had my knitting with me on, um, you know, like on the bus to work, uh, you know, like even like going to a bar, you know, to meet up with friends. Like I just always had it with me just because then I had that thing to focus on and it helped center me and like, you know, actually participate better than I would otherwise. Like I just kind of get a little like bouncy other. And, um, so that really like, that's why I, I did it so much. And then, um, I started designing, you know, like pretty early on at that point. And that kind of like really like dove me into like, Oh, like there's another layer to this. So it always, it just feels like there's always like another, level to take it and advance it that I really appreciate and did the designing do something different I imagine that fed the kind of math satisfaction part of your brain exactly yeah Yeah. that was that was the possible engineer I feel like that lives in my brain (laughs) that you know and you know circumstances were different you know I, I look at now you know, what would I've done or wanted to do from high school to now? And, um, you know, like if I had different opportunities or if I had known different things were possible and, you know, like I was always attracted to like being like an architect because my dad was a contractor and I loved looking at like the blueprints with him and like always appreciated just the like geometry and um, symmetry of it. Mm-hmm. And then I 
worked in tech for a few years. I left that a year ago and started in, in customer service for a tech company and had to work to identify bugs in the software. And being who I am, that meant that I was like, well, how does this work? And I started doing like coding online classes and realized like, oh, this is a knitting pattern. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I was able to like pick it up pretty easily mm. just from the way that that, like those instructions work. And so it kind of, it clicked that way. So I think like knitting design is kind of like that potential if I didn't think computer science in high school was only for boys mm. and you know, like that was, it was like, Oh, if I had known, cause it like the year in 2003, it wasn't like there was one computer science class in my high school that people took and you know, that was it. And it didn't seem like something I was going to need in the future, which is really silly to think now, <laughs> <laughs> but the benefit of hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So yeah, like I, I think that that's like that design and I tech edit now. Um, yes. So that really like feeds that part of, you know, that part of my brain that had those other potentials too. But I think with knitting, it's a lot more fun. It's actually not the first time I've heard about this, like this, they haven't said it in quite the same, uh, really like the way you said about the like little engineer that lives inside your head. <laughs> that, um, yeah, that there's a, a real satisfaction from that type of kind of project, you know, the math yes. side of that. I think most people who are not knitters have no idea that exists, I suppose. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would, I think it might turn some people off if you say it's a lot of math. Um, but that's why we have patterns. Yeah, because you can actually, like you said, I love that bit. I, I wrote it down about the the um, always having another level of knitting. Mm -hmm. Like you haven't reached the end of that, like a computer game yet, have you? Mm -hmm. Like I'm assuming no. you've not got to the end because I haven't met anyone no. yet who has. <laughs> um, but it's a lovely idea, actually, that even if the math stuff totally put you off, you wouldn't have to engage in that. You could be a knitter forever mm -hmm. and never really just follow the pattern yeah. and not think about that maths level that you would get into if you were designing and tech editing or all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have to engage in that if you don't want to. Exactly. It's a, it's, it's very much a, a craft of it. It can be what you want it to be. Yeah. It can be what you need. There's just so many different areas to pick from and however, you know, whatever, you know, feels the best for you at that time. Yeah. And I've been in like, I like to think of it as just like different like islands instead of, you know, the, I don't think anything, any one of them is better or worse than the other. And I think that's where we see a lot of discourse in the community too, is, oh, I, you know, use this type of yarn and, oh, I use this type of yarn. And I think that, you know, like as long as we're all knitting, I, you know, and as long as you are enjoying it and getting from it what you need to get from it, fantastic. Like, that's always how I think about it. I was just to say, because I have been all over the place with it myself, and it's always been valuable in different ways. And I think it changes over time, even within, yeah, like you said, within one person, there'll, there'll be times where you need it. I always I think people get stuck with the complexity like when I teach people how to knit or I do like um kind of workshops about using knitting 
therapeutically or for your mental health people get fixated on well I don't do knitting the way you do because I don't do cables or I don't do and you know my point is that there's no this knitting is not better than that knitting it's thinking about what do I need for me right now (laughs) and how Mm -hmm. can I get that from whatever knitting project I'm using like maybe I need something that's super simple garter stitch in circles or maybe I need something really complicated because I need it to distract my brain from thinking too much about this thing over Mm -hmm. here um and probably in reality I need those projects on the go simultaneously so I can pick up the one I need for that particular moment actually yes I I tell people I have a three whip um like happy place you know like the like a really simple stockinette stitch sock yeah um that that's like the travel I have the pattern memorized I don't need any instructions for it so that's that would be what I would take to you know like be out in public or on a bus or on a train or plane and then kind of a middle of the road that is you know maybe tv and then like a complex like one that like scratches an itch or like teaches me something new or you know like when I just need that like little extra and um yeah I yes I think three is my happy place as well actually three and they probably fit in very similar yeah categories I would say yeah yeah it's always good it sounds like you always want something simple on your needles Mm -hmm. and you always want something more complicated and maybe Mm -hmm. something in the middle Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those kind of cover the basis of what you might need knitting for in your daily life. Yeah. And it sounds like portability is also important to you to have something you could bring. Yes. Yeah. That's um I'm I'm that person that if I have a flight the next day or we're, you know, we're going out of town, I'm like, oh shoot, I need travel knitting. <laughs> and I'll quickly cast on a sock and just like get myself through the toe before. I, you know, before we have to go, um, and that I'm like, okay, now I'm good. Cause I can do everything else, you know, from here and just dive into it, um, at that point. Yeah. I'm the same. I'm going on a train on Saturday and I was like, oh, I haven't planned. Am I in the right place in my knitting projects? Cause I'm just yes. probably don't have enough on this sock left to take it mm-hmm. with me. <laughs> yeah. So the body of a attention. like sweater, you know, yeah, like, but it can't be to too big. Point, that's yeah, I don't want to lug it around too. all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, I see what you mean. And in terms of the things, um, so part of why I got in touch was I was really interested in a post you put on Instagram, which was more about the end product of the knitting and mm-hmm. clothes. And I don't know whether you were, and you started obviously knitting, uh, not for human like uh, Barbies, <laughs> not real size humans. <laughs> And I wondered kind of where your journey took you in terms of what you make and where you've got to with, uh, yeah, your relationship with the finished objects, I suppose. Yeah. So it's, I, you know, like I, I knit sweaters, you know, from, from magazines and it would just be like, how many, I would look at it as like, how many yards yarn does this need? And like, what yarn can I afford without, looking at like out understanding gauge or anything. So I made a lot of like kind of wonky sweaters, you know, early on. Um, and then the first time I made something I would wear out of um, wool was really cool to, you know, like actually like wear that around um, as something that I've made. And the, the question I asked on Instagram was, you know, like, how do you feel when 
your knitting, like knitting or like the knitting world is like compared to fashion, like what we knit. And because I was hearing it, you know, being used for some people as an avenue to be fashionable and like make something that would be considered trendy um, and fashionable. And it's never been that for me Mm -hmm. because I've never resonated with like fashion or trends. Like it was always something like that I wasn't part of and knitting was something I was part of. And like, I kind of always saw that as a, as a place to get away from Mm. those other expectations. And because we get to make so many choices and decisions with what we're making, it's so personal to me that like, this couldn't possibly be, you know, fashion. Fashion is like supposed to like, to like, I think it just depends on what your definition of fashion is. Like, I think, you know, like what's marketed to us and, you know, what's in stores, what's on the runway. And I think there are a lot of really incredible fashion designers out there that are producing, you know, things that are, that I would consider art that I do think are really beautiful and different and unique. And like, that's exciting to me. But then once it turns into how do we sell this to as many people as possible to make as much money as possible, I we're losing the art of it. And it's, and it, I feel like it just turns it into, I mean, we see it now in stores, everything is just like a couple of rectangles sewn together and kind of oversized because that's easier to fit different bodies that we humans have versus making something custom for ourselves. And I don't, I'm not, I, you know, I felt like when I was younger, I, you know, would strive to be part of that and didn't ever hit the mark. And I'm now at a place where I'm just like, what do, what do I want to work on like that's really the first thing that I pick is like what technique do I want to do does that look interesting to me like it's not how will that look on me most of the time and from there it's like what how do I want it to feel then I get or like do I want to support this you know small yarn dyer which is usually the case or um getting local wool and doing like being a bigger part of what clothing could be for us that we've kind of lost over the years and choosing the colors and just, it's like a experiment and like, and, and practical thing for me most of the time. Mm. That's uh, so interesting. I've never heard, cause it's exactly how I start is with the, what technique do I want to do? <laughs> mm-hmm. And there are lots of um, yeah. Designers who design like really nice sweaters but if there are lots of inches of stockinette without anything mm-hmm. going on, I'm not making it because yeah. I just can't uh, can't maintain my motivation to do that. Yeah. I need some uh, stuff going on, like uh, yeah. interesting stitch patterns, I think. And I think my uh, superpower has been desiring to wear the things that I've wanted to make. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I've just made myself love wearing it. Not that I've put effort into that but because I enjoyed the process then I love the end mm-hmm. result and I love wearing the end result <laughs> yeah that's as I was t- 
I was talking about that with a friend. Like if, if I don't enjoy the process of making it, I'm a lot less likely to wear it mm-hmm. because then I like, cause I remember like when you pick up a sweater, I remember if I was making it while we were on vacation or a different place, or if we, you know, were watching a specific show while I made the majority of it. So like they, they hold these like memories and yeah, if they're bad memories of making it, then I'm like, eh. Yeah. Maybe, maybe my mom will like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I completely relate to that. I don't necessarily mind if I was going through a difficult time when some when I made something, mm-hmm. but I want to have felt at least positive about that that I don't know, making that thing was I don't know, an oasis of calm in the difficult time or something like help me get through it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, rather than knitting resentment into every stitch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. And in terms of you're wearing something you've made yourself, what difference does it make to you? Yeah, I always love when a like non-knitter compliments something that I've made. Uh, you know, like just go to the coffee shop if somebody's like, oh, "I love your sweater," and I'm just like, "Thanks." You know, like that's like that's huge. And, and they've got no idea it's a homemade. No, no idea. A lot of times, a lot of what I make doesn't really look homemade anymore uh you know like that's when you when you make depending on the detail and all of that and so yeah like getting a compliment on that is is really is really cool and it's just like this like sometimes it just feels like it's a secret you know like that's that's mine like I won't always say thanks I made it sometimes I do depending on it um my partner, if she's wearing something that I've made her and somebody compliments it, it's always, thanks, she made it. <laughs> you know, like it's, she's very proud of that. Oh, and that's good. Yeah, it's very noteworthy. So right. it's, yeah, it, it, it's just another, it's another layer. And um, when I was working in an office with a bunch of other people and I would and they would compliment it. And then it was just like, oh you made that, you know, like around like people that just don't know, or maybe they've like made a hat or something, but never like really like did it enough to, you know, get past that point. And yeah, it just, it's like, yeah, this is, this is like a cool thing that I know how to do. It is a, a real, like an interesting thing. It is, you know, like it's something that's hard and it is something that it's different, like in a good way versus just what everybody else is wearing from the store. And it sounds like it's part of your like identity that it is like you, I don't know, identify strongly as a knitter <laughs> and that yes. that homemade thing feels like an important part of, um, yeah, the process or knowing something about you maybe as a person, like for your colleagues to kind of know this important part of I don't know, your values or something, maybe? Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I I think that's like a, it's a really good way of saying it. And, um, and, you know, like it's, it's entertainment for me too. So, um, you know, I'm not going to be the person that, you know, goes to happy hours and, you know, is a, I'm not a partier or anything like that, but you know, sitting around and and knitting or, you know, like doing something like that is, is a big part of, of who I am. And 
it kind of explains that part where I don't match up with, you know, like what other people consider fun or like how they spend their time or what they do. So that can be isolating uh, in a lot of like social cases. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're not around knitters, uh, you know, like where I can't relate to a lot of things. Um, But having that part of me recognized is, is really nice. Mm. And it sounds like you felt like you've kind of found your tribe when you went to this new yarn store and found all these people who were similar age to you and just Mm -hmm. got it in the same way you did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're not having to explain it too is, you know, like there's kind of like in that group, it's just like, oh, that's just really cool. And you can just like dive in and start talking about it or what yarn are you using or like who, like who designed that and and learning like those like in-depth details about it that mm. are interesting to us knitters, but probably not as much to outsiders. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in terms of thinking about your relationship with fashion or like your, what you choose to wear, has mm-hmm. it changed that you've got this? I don't know at what point in your knitting journey, like how old you were roughly when you got to the point of being able to make something reliably that turned out vaguely how you wanted it to. And, um, and what difference it made in terms of your relationship with choosing what you wear or choosing to be part of. Because I guess we've got this option that other people don't to just not be mm-hmm. part of fashion that's uh, produced by other people because we could just make our own stuff. <laughs> yeah. And and I feel that's a new world of opportunity and a new land other people don't know about, actually. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of superpower. <laughs> for a Mm -hmm. different version of self-expression or, uh, you know, I don't know, like you you talked about choosing, like showing your values in terms of where the fibre comes from or, you know, those kind Mm -hmm. of things. Um, What difference did that make to your relationship with clothes or getting dressed in the morning? I'm I'm still a very, like, just cosy, practical, you know, dresser. so I, I only, I don't buy store bought sweaters. Yeah. Like I, I like my, my sweaters with, you know, some assembly required. And, um, so I have, you know, like I have a stack. So if it's a, if it's a chilly day, it's like, what do I, what do I want to, which one do I want to wear? It, yeah, it's, it's, I don't, it's more of a feeling, you know, for, for what I put on that day. Um, and less of, I don't really think about much about what other people think of how I look. Uh, it's, I think I probably used to, but at this point I, you know, I'd rather somebody see me for, what you know like I say or what I do versus how I look and I think that that's kind of maybe where like knitting does fit in because that's what I do so when it's something that I've made and somebody compliments me on it then I'm like that is something to compliment me on but if it's something I just bought at a store that's something somebody else designed and that's Mm -hmm. something that likely somebody was exploited to make and I'm like why why are you telling me that this looks good because that has nothing to do with me I always feel like it turns it into a more valuable compliment for me because I would rather have the compliment of you're creative or you're clever or even just Mm -hmm. you're patient (laughs) or 
yeah. you know determined than uh you look nice <laughs> yeah because ultimately there's a lot of you know I don't know luck of symmetry of my face or whatever you know else is involved in that you know that I'm not responsible for <laughs> yeah it's like that point like where I really stopped wearing makeup every day I just like I looked in the mirror and I was like this is my face <laughs> I don't need to like I I don't need to I don't need to change that. Like, this is my face. If somebody doesn't like that, that's not my problem. And it, you know, I know that something like that does bring happiness to a lot of people, but it was just a chore for me. And coming to terms with like, no, this is just what I look like. So I'm going to go, going to skip that step and just Mm -hmm. go do what I have to do. And yeah, so that, but I, I do, and I like the way that you said that. It's just a compliment of like what you've created or, you know, something that you know how to do because that that is a lot of my motivation is learning new things or advancing my skill and learning new techniques. So when that's recognized, that's when it means a lot more for me. Mm-hmm. I think it does make a difference to me that knitting as something I do compared to other crafts creates a useful thing. Like mm-hmm. I think I did, you know, had some phases of like cross stitch or things and I struggled with the, that was a lot of hours and I don't quite know that I want the finished thing or w- know what to do with it. Um, whereas mm-hmm. I do like that, you know, if I need a sweater, I can make a sweater and then I can use the sweater. Um, yeah, but I think I didn't quite anticipate the difference it made to you know, me wanting more and more to have the feeling of making, uh, wearing something I'd made. Mm -hmm. And that pushed me into sewing more, for example, so that in the summer I could also be wearing stuff I'd made. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I do. I come back to sewing a little bit more now um, that, but it's still, it's a little trickier, like with space wise, but I have, you know, like I will like make I have a couple of pairs of pants that I've made um, for for the summer too. And like, yeah, like when you can put on that like fully handmade outfit, I'm just, it's, it's, it's very, it's a very good feeling Yeah, of just, I think a lot of me wants to be able to step outside of the like capitalism structures that we have of, you know, like these are our options and it's a little bit of a rebellion in, in some ways for me is like, no, I don't need to participate in that part. I can do this myself. And to me, like our clothing, it, I mean, it wasn't as accessible when everything was being made by tailors or, you know, handmade, but that's like when a family member would have that skill and make something for their family. And I very much want to, slow the world back down a little bit (laughs) and that to like that just seems like the most practical way to do it even if it's just a small part to me Mm. uh because there are so many of us knitters that love to do it and would love to just be able to do that as a career or as a as a means to um just take care of our families or, you know, exist. And that that's a skill to me that is, it's a necessity, it's practical, but you can also enjoy it. So why, Mm -hmm. you know, I think we all, I think everybody has like that thing that they like to make that they wish that they could do, you know, if you know so many people that 
have gotten into woodworking or those those little things. And I think about like if everybody was just doing that thing that they love to create and creating like practical things that we need, we don't need the junk from Amazon or <laughs> like all the like plastic things or all this like extra stuff that we buy mm-hmm. and moving into that's where I like, you know, like knowing where the, who, who dyed the yarn, like where the yeah. wool came from, you know, like all of that. Cause it feels like it's just getting back to that, that way that clothing used to be made and the way that it can better help our communities and all of us versus a couple of people making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So, and there's also a lot more like story in that sweater, isn't there? If you know mm-hmm. <laughs> where the, you know, maybe you even know what, breed of sheep is where that sheep lived or who died the yarn or you know there's a lot more um yeah yeah story yeah the garment that you put on and carry around with you or wear Mm -hmm. yeah I'd love to hear about a significant knitting project for you Ellen is there something that comes to mind when you think of that yeah so I'm actually wearing it okay so you can see it um this sweater um is when I was uh, designing kind of in my first round um, was the the first time I submitted a design proposal to a magazine or publication. Mm-hmm. It was Interweave Magazine, which is like the magazine I grew up like buying at the store to, to knit from. And I had never designed a sweater before and read the proposal online. It was just like one day I was like, how do people get patterns in a magazine? And like went on their website to see, you know, like what happened. And this is still like pretty isolated. Like I didn't, I didn't have a designer friend that, you know, said any, or like told me any secrets or anything. I read the post online, saw what it needed in the proposal. And I actually, the thing that I thought was going to get chosen or had the better chance of getting chosen was a scarf design that I did that I thought was really perfect for the brief. Um, And I had had this idea for this sweater in the back of my head for a while and was like, well, what the heck? I'm mailing in this other one. It says you can mail in more than one submission at a time. Let me just knit up a swatch and draw up this idea as well. And the stitch pattern on the sleeve is actually the afghan pattern that my grandma used to use all the time oh wow so she would knit four panels and then sew them together it was always red heart acrylic yarn so like any like when there was a a new baby or like we all had a a blanket from my grandma and we got to pick the colors and so i wanted as a person that taught me to knit and, you know, like I have her notebook that has this like pattern handwritten down. I was like, I want to do that just like down the sleeves. And then it's on the side of the sweater as well. So I like did it as a homage to her. And like I said, never designed a sweater before. Got the email when I was out to dinner with my my partner and just so happened my dad and my brother walked in and were sitting at the bar to have a drink in the same place. And we were saying hi to them and I got the email and I looked at it and went, 
I got in the magazine. They picked a sweater and like got really excited. And then I went, oh crap, now I have to learn how to design a sweater. I was just wondering like how much you submit in that because I have no idea about like designing. How much have have you how fully formed an idea is it at that point? It's uh like a swatch that kind of yeah. shows the pattern. So like I just did like a little swatch of the like sleeve cap to show the detail that I wanted. And you you drew some drawings to send in and then like description of like the construction style that you want to do and kind of the size range, I think. Um, yeah. And like, just a little bit like about yourself, it's not a lot. So then all of the techie stuff comes afterwards in terms of how do I actually make a sweater look like that? Okay. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the part that I hadn't thought through that much (laughs) at that time. So, and it wasn't a lot of time to, to turn around. And I think it was, maybe I had like a couple of months to fully design knit send it back so I took to the internet and found you know some blog posts about the you know how to grade and and do the math and like it's I know a lot more now you know like I know that this design is not the best you know fitting sweater design there out there across sizes but I did it pencil paper calculator like didn't didn't know how to do it in a spreadsheet or anything like that. I kind of like was doing like drawings and going through the math, like each, you know, like for each size and, and double checking it. The first time I like had worked with uh, a tech editor because the, when you send it in, then the, um, they have a tech editor, you know, double check everything. So like learning where those mistakes were and figuring out how to address them was, uh, you know, a different process because I was doing it all pencil and paper. It's not like I could just go back and edit a number in my spreadsheet to figure out where that, where that needed to be. So really like that was like, oh, I can do it. It was kind of like the moment, like where I was like, this is a real thing. Like it did feel acknowledged and like something that I could do. And that's something I was good at and getting that, that recognition and, really just like pushing through it that like that forced of you know like no you just have to finish this so it's like even still like designing independently I I can very easily be like oh this just isn't working and then I like move on to something else but in that moment it's like no you have to learn this by this date and get Mm -hmm. this done to get it out there and And there's nothing like that that to uh, boost your motivation (laughs) 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 or productivity (laughs) yes yeah Amazing. And I love how kind of full circle it was to have your grandma's mm-hmm. kind of uh, pattern incorporated. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It just it felt very felt special. Like, yeah. It felt very like meant to be like, mm. of course, like this is the project, you know, like it, it just, it just felt like that was, that was how it was supposed to happen. Yeah. So it was great. Amazing. And does it get tested in all the sizes or not for a magazine? No. No, I think, um, I feel like the only like magazine I've heard of that would do some testing was Pom Pom. Okay. Yeah. So that's a, another sad loss of Pom Pom to the community. Yes. Um, cause they did do things, um, a lot more inclusively and responsibly than, mm. you know, I yeah. think a lot of the other ones did. 
uh, but yeah, my, my, it was right to pattern. The only one that was knit was the one that I knit myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, and the tech editing, which with tech editing, you know, recognizing like fit points and grading, I do think that that can be enough to release a sweater. You know, like I don't necessarily think that everything has to be tested, but when it comes to publications, they don't like necessarily call out fits across sizes. They just make sure that it adds up to what you said and don't necessarily pay attention to the underarm being, you know, five inches below the armpit on one size and like right up in your arm on the yeah, other. Sure. They're they're not gonna call those like the standards out, but they just make sure the numbers work. Mm-hmm. So that's where it's like it would be nice to have have those things tested. Mm, sure. Yeah. Um, and what was it, I guess, is the other thing in terms of your relationship with knitting that as a designer that you then get, presumably, to see other versions of your sweater out in the universe, in the world. Mm-hmm. How did that feel? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I haven't seen one in person, of, okay. like a sweater yeah. that I've made, but I do love looking at like the Ravelry projects and seeing, uh, you know, like, somebody else has made it because um, I did have a second sweater design in interweave again, like a year or so after this first one. So I do love to like go back and, and check those project pages and, and see that. And recently I released a independent um, sock pattern and it's a very like basic pattern, but I, because of my, teaching experience I saw like the questions that people would ask in like more of like the way a pattern is written in the pattern layout for that and I put some extras in there like row trackers for stitch like stitches and like the way I did like photos and images to make it more of like a teaching pattern the so that's like really like where I get a lot as a designer, like when somebody is like, I've tried to knit socks five times, like somebody posted or tagged me in something recently that they tried five times to knit socks and that this was the first time that they felt like they could finish it and understand it because of the way the pattern was knit, uh, written. And that to me, that's like my gold as a designer is mm-hmm. when I can give somebody like that feeling because so much of our lives is out of our control or just difficult and, you know, can be really hard. And so like, I want, if somebody picks up knitting, like I want that to be a good part and like a happy part and a sense of like accomplishment and not like another dresser in their life or something that has to overspend you know, their brain space, depending on, you know, like where they are. Cause that's, I think about how I learned and it was from patterns. I would just follow the instructions. I was like, okay, yeah, this means this. Cause I could, you know, flip back through to the abbreviations or the, the stitch instructions. And, and that's how I learned it. So I, I know there's a lot of power in a well-written pattern. Yeah. And it makes Um, a big difference, doesn't it? And I, I think mm -hmm. about, you know, trying to use knitting to encourage more people to do it because of the kind Mm -hmm. of 
benefits, the therapeutic benefits to your mental health to have this kind of soothing, rhythmical, bilateral movement Mm -hmm. that can offer you this kind of little moment of calm that you and I could access through knitting. But when you're first starting, it's actually not, you know, you have to get over the hurdle of getting to the point where it feels a relaxing thing you can do easily rather than a stressful thing where you don't understand what's going on and could have the propensity to make you feel worse about your day (laughs) if it all goes wrong, which, you know, it goes wrong for you and I, I'm sure, certainly for me. Um, But I understand that and it's kind of within what is manageable for me. And I think at Mm -hmm. the beginning, it's just not. And knitting patterns can look like they're written in a different language that you've got no way of understanding. Mm -hmm. I think it makes a big difference to have, uh, designers who really care about you know making it an accessible pattern for yeah. somebody who doesn't know all the things already <laughs> yeah 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 and that's I mean I I still knit other people's patterns even though like I can you know draft and do the math and come yeah. up with something for myself but when I go to knit somebody else's pattern it's because I don't want to do the math in that moment <laughs> so like I don't want to have to think through it that deeply I just want to follow those instructions and get my little like sections checked off and when the you know like if the pattern is just a lot to understand then I don't enjoy it as much Mm. and sitting around the table with people learning where I the favorite classes that I taught um were just drop in classes, you know, like help with whatever project you were working on. Mm -hmm. So we would open up like 10 spots. I'd be there for two hours for people to just come in and ask questions. And so many times people would get stuck at a part and they're like, they would think that it was them. And, you know, they take that blame on themselves versus looking at the pattern. And then when I would look at the pattern, a lot of times I would find a mistake yeah. in the pattern itself, or it just wasn't clear. Yeah. And, or I could like draw it out for them to visualize in a different way. And that's, that's where I see it as a responsibility as a designer, because if I think about how many people maybe get to that point, but then don't have somebody to ask yeah. and then just think that they're not capable of knitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It and is key just, like, isn't it, to have someone, yeah. to, you know, if you've got access to a person Because I think even with the amazing information that's on YouTube now that didn't exist, you know, when I was learning from a book or so, you know, my mum taught me, but then there was no FaceTime. So I couldn't show her my knitting when we lived in Mm -hmm. different towns. Um, So I could try and describe it. But you've got to know a bit of a like have a bit of a vocabulary to know what have I done here to be able to get help. But I think when you don't have anyone or you don't even know how to what search terms to put into, um, Mm -hmm. you know, YouTube. Um, that's a challenge. So it does make a big difference to have somebody who you can check it with, who can say to you, well, there's a chance the pattern is wrong, or, you know, it actually mm-hmm. doesn't tell you whether to stop after four rows when you says knit four rows or stop on the fourth row, whatever it is. Sometimes there is yeah. not clear. <laughs> yeah. So you just want to make your best guess. Yeah. Yep. Talking of mistakes, I would love to know mm-hmm. about your relationship to mistakes in knitting, because I certainly make them. I'm assuming you do, do too, occasionally. We all do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I it's. I think there's just like evolution as we learn. And, you know, like in the beginning, you're going to make mistakes more often. And 
but you have like learning how to fix and address them is another skill you have to learn. And in the beginning, you know, like I would just rip out, rip back, you know, as best I could and then, you know, start that part over. And the more and more I started doing it, the more I realized like, oh, I can just drop down the stitch and change that pearl back into a knit and, or, oh, I have an extra stitch in this sleeve. I'll just do an extra decrease now. Um, And you learn like where you can like fudge those things, like where it's not going to be that big of a deal. And I haven't figured out how to teach that yet. you know, other than you just have to keep doing it. Yeah. Um, to, to get the like visualization, you know, like I'm at the point now, like where I've done this so much. If you ask me like, does a knit two together, like which direction does it lean? Like I can visualize it in my head and see that that leans to the right, but somebody new to the craft isn't going to have that yet. And that's just because you haven't done it enough yet, or some people don't have that ability. So it's like, there's always going to be a mistake in my knitting. I most of the time do just find some way to fudge it, you know, Mm -hmm. like without ripping out and redoing it. Uh, And it's, it's done a lot for finding perfectionism for me. Mm. I think in because, life generally do you mean yeah yeah like you know just having having that place where it's like I know enough like where I can just I can make those decisions where I know it doesn't have to be exact mm-hmm. and having that flexibility in it because it's it's just it's knitting like it's not just knitting to me you know like it is like so much more of my life but in that moment I'm like it's it's just knitting it's not that big of a deal yeah. if there's a mistake in it like yeah. it's handmade So of course, you know, we're humans, we're flawed and that's just part of it. It's a low stakes place to experiment with imperfection, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And that, I think it's gotten harder for people as social media has, you know, developed with what we see you know, the most of, you know, you, you see there's so much comparison to other people's projects and whatever other people are capable of and how beautiful it looks in these like professional quality photos like being shared. So I've noticed that with newer knitters that they are more likely to think that they're not good enough because theirs doesn't look like, you know, what they're seeing online or those comparisons. Mm-hmm. And I made most of my mistakes in isolation early on. So it didn't, I didn't have that comparison to Mm. get to this point. Sure. So I think that that makes a big difference too. Yeah. And I guess, you know, when you're comparing like even something like the tension of a new knitter Mm -hmm. to an experienced knitter, it's just going to look different, isn't it? Like I have, I work with um, teenagers in, therapy in my day job and sometimes we do some knitting or crochet or something like that as you know for engagement but also for giving them a skill that can help with you know Mm -hmm. managing anxious times or that kind of thing and you know sometimes they're like look at my things and think why doesn't mine look like that and I'm like just remember I've done this every day 
since way before you were born. <laughs> like, yes, that's that's basically why it's the yes. thousands of hours that I didn't do because I wanted a perfect thing. I did it because I can't watch TV without my hands being busy <laughs> or, <Yep>. you know, <laughs> I did it for the process um, for many, many years before I ever made anything I would wear. Um, yes. But that's also something you can take away regardless of what it looks like is finding the value in the process. <laughs> like that's the yeah. gift I want to give them. <laughs> not the yeah, creating it, a beautiful thing at the end. Yeah. And the process, it's gonna, your first couple of projects are going to look like Swiss cheese and it's just part of accepting it. Uh, you know, like I, it, it's just, it's part of it. Like it, I think like going into it, you have to accept that it's not, it's probably not. I mean, I have seen people with first projects come out with like beautiful things and I'm like, you're a prodigy. I don't understand where that comes from. And it could be like experience with other things too, but yeah, it like that's the, and you know, now I know if I hit a point where I'm just like, I'm stuck or like, I can't figure out what I did wrong. That's when I put something in timeout yeah. for, you know, a day or two. And then I can come back to it and be like, Oh, that's what I did. Or, oh, I actually didn't make a mistake. I was just reading the pattern wrong last night because I was tired and I shouldn't have still been trying to do this. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But it's probably quite a good reminder of like the, that we can still have done it for all these years and get to those points. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we're probably better at tolerating that bump in the road. Yeah. Mm, Sure. Ellen, I'd love to hear about something you do outside of knitting and crafts that benefits your mental well-being. I really like where I live has a big, you know, like effect on my mental health. Mm -hmm. Uh, My partner and I moved to Baltimore this past spring uh, to be in a friendlier place for queer people. Um, And that has like just made a big, big, big difference. Like being in a place like where we feel safe um, for that. And I, I don't like cars. I don't like driving. So living in a place like where we can, where I can walk to things and, you know, like take transit. I live close to the harbor. So, um, you know, taking, we like to, we both work from home. So, you know, after lunch, we like to just go take the dog for a walk around the neighborhood every day. And, um, so things like that, like just being in that, um, being in a city or a, you know, like a, a very walkable place and, you know, like location is, is really, is really big for my mental health. Sure. And, and of course, to be feeling safe and yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. It's important for everyone, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And so it sounds like, like the outside bit of walking mm-hmm. is nice being yep. with your dog as well. Yep. Oh yeah. Always. Yeah. Okay. So that's made a big difference to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I always end with asking about what's the greatest gift knitting has given you for the rest of your life. So what would you say has been the biggest gift that knitting has brought? It it's that, that ability to honestly like make something for people I love. Like, so for my partner, like being able to make her a sweater that I know is going to fit her because she's not necessarily going to find something in a store that is mm. going to fit her um 
and Does she knit that well you're the no, knitter ah. I'm the knitter so that's I'm a real nice superpower to have for, yes for <laughs> you're like the yeah. magician who can create mm-hmm. the perfect thing oh great yeah <laughs> yeah it's really nice to just feel like do you like this pattern what color do you want mm-hmm. and you know like being able to like give give that choice of choosing to somebody that would have very few options mm. otherwise oh that's so nice is 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 really nice and that's like so that's that's really been over like the last like couple of years where that's like really like sunk in like and it's it's very motivating and it's and very, she's very appreciative as well yes very perfect <laughs> okay and are there other people that you're also knitting for others uh I will knit for my mom mm-hmm. and my mother-in-law um my mom um it loves because I make it so of course you know she loves everything I make um so a lot of times it's she'll take the stuff I'll give the stuff to my mom that I've worn for a couple of years and I'm like eh, I don't wear this as much anymore mom do you like it yeah and you know like they get handed on to her um and my mother-in-law's a quilter and a crafter so she like also like really appreciates the work mm-hmm. and everything that goes into yeah. it and occasionally like other like knitter friends like which I know we don't do a lot because they could make something themselves but there is something like my friend that owns um the yarn shop that I taught at in in St. Louis before we moved um I gave her a shawl because I was like yarn store owners don't have a lot of time to knit sure. <laughs> and yeah. as much as people on the outside might think that they don't and so when I was moving I you know gave her a gift and the look on her face and just like how excited you know she was to to get that because you know we don't we don't necessarily give other knitters a lot of, of gifts like that right. and it is a really great feeling to to do it because they appreciate you know they know what goes yeah. into it so then they really appreciate what you do. Yeah. And it's funny, isn't it? Because I remember thinking about knitting a Christmas sweater for my mum, who is a knitter. Well, she she can knit, has knitted a lot, mm-hmm. doesn't knit that much anymore. Uh, she'll mm-hmm. knit socks. But, um, yeah. and But she wouldn't knit herself a Christmas sweater. And, mm-hmm. yeah, but she loved that. You know, like it's the ultimate person who appreciates all of the things that went into it I suppose isn't it exactly yeah yeah they understand the materials they understand the labor involved they understand you know the the love that goes into something like that yeah yeah and the hours and the Mm -hmm. you know yeah although it was anxiety for usually when I knit for somebody either they're in my house so I can make them try it on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I can be more confident it's going to fit. And this was like a surprise. We don't live in the same town. So there was an yeah. element of anxiety. Um, but yeah, it worked out great. So it's good. That's awesome. <laughs> well, Ellen, it has been really lovely to speak to you. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. If people want to find out more about you and your work, um, tech editing or anything you're sharing online, where would they do that? Um, best place it would be my site. Um, so it's knithow.com. Mm-hmm. Um, sign up there. And I'm at knithow on Instagram, but I have a love-hate relationship with social media. So okay. I'm less reliable to be there often. So I would say website newsletter is going to be the best place to to keep up with 
with that because I'm very sporadic in social media places. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Yes. Okay, great. So knithow.com. Yes. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you want to find out more about my work, you can visit my website, therapeuticknitting.org, or you can follow me on Instagram at knittingistherapeutic. Thanks. Thanks.